0: section seven of in old plantation days by paul lawrence dunbar this librivox recording is in the public domain a supper by proxy there was an air of suppressed excitement about the whole plantation the big old house stared gravely out as if it could tell great things if it would and the cabins in the quarters looked prophetic the very dogs were on the alert and there was expectancy even in the eyes of the pickaninnies who rolled in the dust something was going to happen there was no denying that the wind whispered it to the trees and the trees nodded then there was a clatter of horses hoofs the crack of a whip the bays with the family carriage swept round the drive and halted at the front porch julius was on the box resplendent in his holiday livery this was the signal for a general awakening the old house leered and irritating i told you so the quarters looked complacent the dogs ran and barked the pickaninnies laughed and shouted the servants gathered on the lawn and in the midst of it all the master and mistress came down the steps and got into the carriage another crack of the whip, a shout from the servants, more antics from the pickaninnies, the scurrying of the dogs, and the vehicle rumbled out of sight behind a clump of maples. Immediately the big house resumed its natural appearance, and the quarters settled back into whitewashed respectability. Mr. and Mrs. Mordaunt were off for a week's visit. The boys were away at school, and here was the plantation left in charge of the negroes themselves except for the presence of an overseer who did not live on the place the conditions seemed pregnant of many things but a calm fell on the place as if every one had decided to be particularly upon his good behavior the piccaninnies were subdued the butlers in the big house bowed with wonderful deference to the maids as they passed them in the halls and the maids called the butlers mister when they spoke to them. Only now and again from the fields could a song be heard. All this was ominous. By the time that night came many things were changed. The hilarity of the little darkies had grown, and although the house servants still remained gravely quiet, on the return of the field hands the quarters became frankly joyous. From one cabin to another could be heard the sound of juba juba and the loud patting of hands and the shuffling of feet now and again some voice could be heard rising above the rest improvising a verse of the song as mast and gone to phila Mundelfi, juba juba left us bacon left us calm brave juba juba o juba dis and Juba dat, and juba skinned a yellow cat to make his wife a sunday hat Oh, juba not long did the sounds continue to issue from isolated points the people began drifting together and when a goodly number had gathered at a large cabin the inevitable thing happened someone brought out a banjo and a dance followed meanwhile from the vantage ground of the big house the more favored servants looked disdainfully on and at the same time consulted together that they should do something to entertain themselves was only right and proper no one of ordinary intelligence could think for a moment of letting this opportunity slip without taking advantage of it but a dance such as the quarters had bah they could never think of it that rude informal affair and these black aristocrats turned up their noses no theirs must be a grave and dignified affair such as their master himself would have given and they would send out invitations to some on the neighboring plantations it was julius the coachman who after winning around the head butler anderson insisted that they ought to give a grand supper julius would have gone on without the butler's consent had it not been that anderson carried the keys so the matter was canvassed and settled the next business was the invitations but no one could write still this was a slight matter for neatly folded envelopes were carried about to the different favored ones containing nothing while at the same time the invitations were proffered by word of mouth hi da cried jim to julius on the evening that the cards had been distributed i ain't seed my invitation yet. you needn't keep yo eyes buck lookin for none neither replied julius i uh, put not as is you i don't care to "'Combus with you just now,' said Julius pompously. "'Jim guffawed, well, of all de sights I ever seed, a docky coachman often de box trying to look like he on it. Go long, Julius, sir! you'll surely kill me, man.' The coachman strode on with angry dignity. It had been announced that the supper was to be a ladies and gentlemen's party, and so but few from the quarters were asked. The quarters were naturally angry and a bit envious for they were but human and not yet intelligent enough to recognize the vast social gulf that yawned between the blacks at the big house and the blacks who were quartered in the cabins the night of the grand affair arrived and the mordaunt mansion was as resplendent as it had ever been for one of the master's festivities the drawing-rooms were gaily festooned and the long dining-room was a blaze of light from the wax candles that shone on the glory of the Mordaunt plate. Nothing but the best had satisfied Julius and Anderson. By nine o'clock the outside guests began to arrive. They were the dark aristocrats of the region. It was a well-dressed assembly, too. Plump brown arms lay against the dainty folds of gleaming muslin, and white, stocked brass-buttoned black counterparts of their masters strode up the walks. There were Dudley stones gideon and martha robert curtis ike and with deely and there were Quinn and dashi and over them all aunt tempy to keep them straight of these was the company that sat down to stuart mordaunt's board after some rivalry anderson held the head of the table while julius was appeased by being placed on the right beside his favorite lady aunt tempy was opposite the host where she could reprove any unseemly levity Or tendency to skylarking on the part of the young people no state dinner ever began with more dignity the conversation was nothing less than stately and everybody bowed to everybody else every time they thought about it this condition of affairs obtained through the soup somebody ventured a joke and there was even a light laugh during the fish by the advent of the entree the tongues of the assembly had loosened up and their laughter had melted and flowed as freely as stuart mordaunt's wine well i must say mr hannison this is surely a most salubrous occasion thank you mr cuttis thank you it all allus my endeavor to make my guesses field day's seves at home let me give you some more of dis wine it's from de best that's in my cellar seems like i remember de vintage said ike sipping slowly and with the air of a connoisseur, oh yes, you drank some a dis on de occasion of my darter's marriage to Mas to Mister Daniels. I recollect, yes, I recollect. Des listen at dem docky," said the voice of a listening field hand. Gideon, as was his wont, was saying deeply serious things to Martha, and Quinn whispered something in Dashi's ear that made her giggle hysterically and cry. Now, Mister Quinn, ain't you scandalous? you des seem like you possessed dis evenin in due time however the ladies withdrew and the gentlemen were left over their cigars and cognac it was then that one of the boys detailed to wait on the table came in and announced to the host that a tramp was without begging for something to eat at the same instant the straggler's face appeared at the door a poor unkempt-looking white fellow with a very dirty face anderson cast a look over his shoulder at him and commanded pompously, take him to the kitchen and give him all he wants. The fellow went away very humbly. In a few minutes Aunt Tempy opened the dining-room door and came in. Annison, she cried in a whisper. Madam, said the butler, rising in dignity, excuse me, but... Here, don't you come no foolishness with me. Ain't no madam. I's tired of playin' fine lady. I done been out to the kitchen, and I don't like that tramp face and foam well madam said anderson urbanely we haven't asked you to marry him at this there was a burst of laughter from the table "Nemine, mine ne mine i tell you i don't lack like the tramp's face and foam and you'd better keep yo eye-skin or you'll be laughin on de other side of yo mouth the butler gently pushed the old lady out but as the door closed behind her she was still saying I don't lack dat tramp's face and faum." Unused to playing fine lady so long, Aunt Tempe deserted her charges and went back to the kitchen, but the straggler man had gone. It is a good thing she did not go around the veranda where the windows of the dining-room opened or she would have been considerably disturbed to see the tramp peeping through the blinds, evidently at the mordaunt plate that sparkled conspicuously on the table anderson with his hand in his coat quite after the manner of stuart mordaunt made a brief speech in which he thanked his guests for the honour they had done him in coming to his humble home i know he said i've done my po best, but at some later day i hopes to entertain you in a manner dat the position and character of de gentleman hyah assembled the zerves. let us now join de ladies his hand was on the door and all the gentlemen were on their feet when suddenly the window was thrown up and in stepped the straggler why why how dare you sah invade my premises asked anderson casting a withering glance at the intruder who stood gazing around him leave the room dis minute cried julius anxious to be in the fray but the tramp's eyes were fastened on anderson finally he raised one finger and pointed at him you old oh scoundrel he said in a well-known voice "'as he snatched off his beard and wig "'and threw aside his disguising duster "'and stood before them. Mas Stewart! "'You old scoundrel, you! "'I've caught you, have I?' "'Anderson was speechless and transfixed, "'but the others were not, "'and they had cleared that room "'before the master's linen duster was well off. "'In a moment the shuffling of feet ceased and the lights went out in the parlour. "'The two stood there alone, facing each other. Mas Stewart!' "'Silence,' said Mordaunt raising his hand and taking a step toward the trembling culprit. "'Don't hit me now, mas do don't hit me. Oh, well, kin a shuck off yo personality. If you do, it'll be des the same as thumpin' yo'ssef.' Mordaunt turned quickly and stirred for a moment, looking through the window, but his shoulders shook. "'Well,' he said, turning, "'do you think you've at last relieved yourself of my personality?' "'I don't know, I don't know, de gamut show to fit monstrous tight huh you take my food you take my wine you take my cigars and now even my personality isn't safe look here what on earth do you mean by entertaining half the darkies in the county in my dining room anderson scratched his head and thought then he said well look yeh ma stood. dis yeh wasn't rightly my supper no ways not your supper whose was it yon Yes, uh Why? What's the matter with you, Anderson? Next thing you'll be telling me that I planned it all and invited all those servants. Let me explain it, mas. Let me explain it. now I didn't give dat supper as Anderson. I give it as Mas Stuart Mordaunt and Quinn and ike and gidgeon They didn't come for de seves. They come for Mas Curtis and Mas Dudley Stone. Don't you understand, Mas Stuart? We wasn't. We all. We was you all that's very plain and in other words i gave a supper by proxy and all my friends responded in the same manner well if that means what i said that's it your reasoning is extremely profound anderson it does you great credit but if i followed your plan i should give you the thrashing you deserve by proxy that would just suit you so instead of that i'm going to feed you for the next day or so by that ingenious method you go down and tell jim that i want him up here early to-morrow morning to eat your breakfast oh mass stuart whup me whup me but don't tell those dockies in de quadders and don't stave me for anderson loved the good things of life go anderson went and mordaunt gave himself up to mirth the quarters got their laugh out of anderson's discomfiture jim lived high for a day but rumors from the kitchen say that the butler did not really suffer on account of his supper by proxy, end of section seven.